0: Hello, welcome to Double Bill and my name is Mike Kohote and I am Brian walking without rhythm because they might be giants
1: Watson Jones and I am Joshua the JD's JD dance for Jodowski's dune
0: Humphrey and you are listening to Double Bill theme song! It's theme
2: song
0: oh. and harmonized Double
2: Bill Double Bill comparing colors. It's double bill Putting two things together It's double
3: bill It's double bill Goes together like chocolate and peanut butter Like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers Like a hamburger and a bun Like baby ducks and staple guns Record scratch
2: Double bill, double bill Comparing culture It's double bill Putting two things together, it's double bill,
0: it's double bill. Welcome back to Double Bill. We, we, uh, we didn't really go anywhere. I mean,
1: there was thirty seconds of theme song. Should, <laughs> we're, we're still I'm sorry. I feel like we should do theme song again now and that's probably a bad idea. Oh, should we go back into the theme song? One, two, three, theme song. <laughs>
3: I hate both of you so much.
1: <laughs> what are we doing today? Today we, we are. We a
3: recording of Anna Wagle doing the theme song, but sounding really annoyed with us. So we can do it the second time. And then we hear like gunshots and screaming. She, she just does it a cappella really fast. Double bill, double bill.
0: Uh, today we are we doing get that for the Nugget, actually. Very possible. Moving right along, dig a dum, digga dum. <laughs> we uh, we are going to be approaching uh, two documentaries. Have we done documentaries on the show I don't before? Think so, no, no, not really. Yeah, this is my my terrible attempt at like trying to seem more. Are you
1: trying to uh, live in this program.
0: No, no, make both... it a little snootier. No, you guys, you guys actually something that seems like it would have a Criterion release at some point. No, you guys use the graduated pipette of snoot to your advantage. For me, Huzzah. What I do is uh, I occasionally try to, and I'm doing a documentary. I would never thought I would have done a documentary. I'd have been like, Mm -hmm. nerd property, nerd property. But I thought that from our conversation about Jodorowsky's Dune, we could pair it with another uh, movie that was another, also, ironically, a documentary about uh, a movie that did not make it past the uh, pre-production stages and that was the the early production stages excuse me and that was Lost in La Mancha Terry Gilliam's film am I saying that right? Terry Gilliam? Yes. 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 I believe you're you're pronouncing it correctly. As opposed to Stanley Pubrick Um, Yes, that is a bad (laughs) pronunciation of Terry Gilliam. Oh my god. All the poor names for
1: all of Stanley Kubrick's well Eyes Wide Shut that would say the same.
0: Pies Wide Shut. Oh. I did it. So, uh, behind, these, behind both of these movies, uh, the reason why it came up is that we were talking about uh, Jodorowsky's Dune is this very prestigious, is it Chilean? Is he a Chilean I filmmaker? Thought Mexican. I thought he was Spanish. Chilean. I think he's Chilean. You guys are both wildly Eurocentric and session. I'm pretty sure they mentioned it. So, Mexico <laughs> is not in Europe. Okay, so anyway. I learned that. So, we're that not, in we're not talking about.
1: We're not going to start with Joe Durarski's doing that. No. Yeah. But we are
0: going to start- Give
3: us
1: time to get our geography right. Uh, we are starting with Lost in La Mancha, which is t- Terry Gilliam's film. Which failed, is Spanish. The film of the it? failed attempt. Yeah, it, of him- it's a film of Terry Gilliam's yeah. film. He didn't. It was make meant the to the be docu- like, a docu- like a making of feature for the Man Who Killed Don Quixote, which is yeah. the movie he was
0: doing. Yep. And I guess here's the first and foremost feeling from both of these movies is, on my part, it was very sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched these with the fiance. And after uh, Lost in La Mancha was done, she was, like, nearly in tears. She's just like, that could have been so awesome. Oh, yeah. Just the, like, 10, 15
3: seconds worth of actual, like, finished film footage you see. Just, you know, the shot of Don Quixote and the horse with his shadow on the wall and Johnny Depp are yelling at a fish. Just those shots. you're like, those look so
1: beautiful and they'd be such a good... Oh, Oh, I don't agree at all you don't think that would have been a good movie at all, all oh i i don't know that's the thing is like these are both mo- like i didn't want to get into this yet because okay. it's, it's sort of like a comparison
0: well thing. just just la mancha then
1: like, well let's talk about la mancha i want to come back to this Please let's me let's
0: later. la mancha and Foncha right now because we're gonna do the we're starting with lost in la mancha just um, because it's older
1: yeah, that was what ninety something. Two thousand oh, oh, early two thousands. 2000, I, re- I remember being in college. It was playing at the. M-Town. Yeah, it
3: was two thousand and two because it was about like a two thousand attempt. Yeah, and, and I
1: didn't get the concept of it then. Like uh, I think I was just like, I was like what 1920? Mm-hmm. and I was just like, "Lost in La Mancha." It's like a, fa- it's not actually lo- it's not actually Don Quixote. It's a making up document. Why would I go see that? <laughs> totally not getting Punx. what it was actually
0: about. All right, yeah. so what, I mean, what we have is. Terry Gilliam has never been married. Married to the mainstream, right? Yeah, I think the closest he ever came was Brothers Grimm. Oh, and, well, that was that was like later mainstream. I think that. Yeah, I'm just saying, like that's the closest he ever came to making a movie that was like this in is the a studio system. Movie. Ah, yeah. But let's. Uh, I mean, and this is this is some actually homework I did when the movie Twelve Monkeys came out, uh, which was an Academy Award nominated movie, and then also Fisher King, Academy Award nominated oh, that's true, movie. Yeah. So we've well, got, we got some A-listers for both of those, well, so that right? Hurt. No, no, actors aside, yeah. the guy's got a, a fisheye vision, and you know, I mean, we can we can rewind all the way to to Monty Python, which was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Terrible. We we all hated Monty Python, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. With yeah. a passion.
1: With a red-hot passion. I haven't
0: forgiven England. <laughs> yeah, the three, the three... God damn you! We
3: certainly don't own every single episode of Monty Python. It's right.
0: sitting six feet from us right now. We are recording at uh, BW's place right now. And, yeah. yeah, Terry Gilliam clearly has a vision. Even going back, there's been fascinating articles about uh, the, the story behind, like, Time Bandits. That Did you post that? Because it was like... What did I it, it rolled time up edits. it rolled up on my on my queue and, I don't
1: think so, I did. I don't that
0: doesn't sound And right. somebody from Rolling Stone like rolled through the genius behind time bandits and like how the the one American member from St. Paul, Minnesota of of Monty Python's Flying Circus managed to get this film with like so many like Brits in it, mm-hmm. including like a couple of his stalwarts from his, his friends, and then also like who do we get to be Eggamagnon? Well, it's a Sean Connery type character. Well, let's call Sean Connery and getting him. Yeah. I mean, he's he's got these grassroots crazy visions that come to the screen, and like people don't like them or they like them, and then they're fine, give or take. But then a movie like, um, uh, and and like they they sometimes critically reviled, mostly like awesome. You know, like people think that Brazil is either a a critical masterpiece, like a a mind fuck, You know. And then, like a movie like Baron Munchausen will come along, and no one will think about it, you know. And then suddenly, like a few years later, they're like, "Well, let's do a movie called Twelve Monkeys," Mm -hmm. and everybody's like, "But like, let's get Bruce Willis at the height of his like A-list power. Let's get uh, Brad Pitt just as he's like sevening and Legends of the Falling." And Terry Gilliam wanted nothing to do with him, and like all the articles at the time were like, "He's like, I don't want this guy. He's a chain smoker." He's a pretty boy. I don't want him in my movie. And Brad Pitt, like, had his agent go and was like, no, 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 send him. He goes, okay, so here's the deal. You're going to quit smoking. And when you quit smoking, I think that twitchiness is going to come out. And that's why his character in it, just, it was, like, nice. all, like, picking at his face. And he's hmm. like, I want you to, like, don't think about who you are. Get into who this is. And he's like, I don't even want Bruce Willis, like, goes, he looks like Homer Simpson. And I was like, wow this nobody English like he does nobody movies is now yelling about who he wants to be in this mm-hmm. so he fast forward three years and then he finds his new muse and uh, senior Johnny Depp, the future the once in future the once in future Jack Sparrow yeah, right so what for the past 15 20 years it's just been Gilliam and Tim Burton and slap fights over him right right <laughs> it, you know what that's not a bad that's not a bad analogy they both found their muse and now they're they're punch fighting over him and it's like you know, fear and loathing, take it or leave it. It was still like kind of a weird film, but it, it gained the same. For sure.
3: well, it's, he's got a pure vision. I mean, you see a Terry Gilliam film, and it's got his stamp all over.
0: Oh it yeah, it's yeah, not, yeah.
1: He wants to make a movie. He wants to make, and he's going to make it how he can. Mm-hmm.
0: And moreover, it's like what we see getting back to Lost in La Mancha, and what I saw was a production team who he is ma- like kind of married to. You know, like these are people that have worked with him before who kind of look at him when he's like flying all around the room like a whirling dervish with his production photos with his with his you know sketches that are out there mm-hmm. with arms crossed nodding and going okay, we are about to embark on this. Yeah. And I think yeah, when things are going well or he sees something he likes, he's a little kid. Oh, yeah. He's oh, got yeah. this child-like
3: wonder
1: and joy to it when he sees the it's looking good. I always think about the sequence where he's talking to the giants and doing the giant stuff with them and, like, mm-hmm. running at the camera and what you need to do and, like, take off your shirt. Come on, take off your You're, shirt. But but the thing is, while well, he's, like, and taking he, yeah, his shirt off. Taking your yeah, shirt yeah, off and running around himself and really enjoying it. I would never ask the to do what I would not do. I'm going to run
3: around shirtless because I'm the director.
0: It's like directors who are doing like a very close set nude scene, and uh, who's it? Verhoeven has done that before. Paul Schrader's done it before, where he's Did gonna Kubrick shoot. Did Kubrick
3: do that for Eyes Wide Shut? I hope maybe? not.
0: The man is like part Grizzly. So yeah, well, yeah, yeah, because Verhoeven is is an Adonis, right? <laughs> but, no, but you know, they, there's been there's been situations that have happened. So getting back to Lost in La Mancha, um, so we now Gilliam is an author an auteur of like strange renown and he's had like weird middling successes up mm-hmm. and down you know and with this movie it breaks your heart break my heart anyway that it seemed like there was something that was like gonna be really cool that was gonna happen and that like childlike and but then it like i don't like, disagree
1: with you in terms of like it being sad because it's a something that never like came to fruition right but, but like th- I'll get into this later. I don't want to get touched sure, on right sure. now. Sorry. I, I keep, It's like, but like, it's not. It's like it's depressing to watch them like kind of fail at this because in Lost La Mancha, you know, they're building up. They're building up. He really wants to do this. They don't quite have enough funding. It's mm-hmm. supposed to be. It's like a forty million dollar production. And they have like thirty two million dollars to do it in. Right. And then they start running into production problems uh, yeah. throughout the whole thing uh, with Jean. What's his name?
0: The guy Brockfort. who was, yeah, the guy John who played mm-hmm. yeah. it who's I think he's Spanish. Uh, French. French, French. Thank you. But God, when you saw him, and oh man, like, oh, he looked amazing. Yeah. This he, he was that he first had thing the perfect look. The too. first thing that was what Rachel said. She yeah. goes and she's just like, oh my God. I'm like, what? She goes. He looks like he should be like painted in the book, mm-hmm. the original well, book. Well, that that one like
3: test shot they have of him where he's just looking at a book and his eyes wander. Mm-hmm. You can see the journey they're taking of like he's. He knows what he is and now he's deciding not to know that anymore. Oh god. And there's no dialogue and nothing going on. It's like, oh he would have been good. Oh god,
2: yeah.
1: But it didn't happen. It didn't happen. So that was the other part and but like he got sick. John who who is perfect for this role, yeah. got sick,
3: double herniated disc, yeah. double herniated couldn't get disc. on the horse, not like the flu, like crippling pain, and That's that fine. was
1: like terrible to watch. Just like you knew he was like in pain. Well, they were yeah. trying he to get him trying. on the horse, and yeah. he, he had to trying. wait forty-five was, minutes he before he could walk to back
0: it. to his car. Afterward. So, so yeah. again, oh. the, uh, the 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 pre-production process and and Rochefort's problem with his oh my god, yeah, the the sad seeing the man yeah. getting helped up, so. The problem with this tour is that his vision sometimes blows past any idea of budget. And they, they all were like, we kinda have to go with it. Well, yeah, he's got like he's also got childlike optimism of like, Oh yeah, we can do this for fifteen million, sure. Yeah, yeah. Nope. And like uh, yeah, oh. So the puppets. Oh, those were cool. The I mean, he's got cool imagery. That that's something you cannot deny. The man, like puts out like beautiful, even the giant, the way he was filming the guys playing the giants, and that youthful optimism I think is a directorial choice because mm-hmm. if you get three dudes, three big swarthy, hairy men who are supposed to like exemplify the giants, and they've never had theater experience yeah, get your shirt off and go running in there and be like, you need to do this at the camera, you know and I was like, and like the like the squishy noises and that reminded me of Time Bandit's and the the giant who got out of the water with a boat on his head. <laughs> Which you probably, you've not seen time battles, I have, have not you? seen time balance. Oh,
3: I haven't seen it in a good 15 years. Yeah,
0: the giant gets out and like when he steps, he's like, every step you can see like, it is a giant because every squish of his moobs, like has like a, a squish. There's lots of moobs. Oh yeah, it's... and there are quite a few of the mo- man boobs of the moves <laughs> flexing around here. That was the Well point and the they video. look
1: so odd it's because odd, yes. they're not you don't see moves in Hollywood productions. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Especially not rippling in slow motion.
3: Rippling and yes.
0: slow motion. Moreover, I mean we talk about the Hobbit, you know, and we talk about the first movie you know, with uh, the three uh, the three you know, trolls are gonna eat me and then the sun came up and they're all CGI. But no he wants these like practical guys with a fish lens like right down there. Womp womp. womp womp going in and like stomping in. And like all these things were happening, and then at the same time, all these magical, wonderful things you could see the potential for was a shitstorm. Mm-hmm. You know, the budget stuff that was coming up. Yeah. The fact that.
1: Uh, I, f- I feel though the budget stuff was like a lesser part of the problem than what? not having John Rockfort there. <laughs> I think
3: the, the problem with the budget stuff, it, I think they could have done it if everything had gone perfectly but as soon as one thing goes wrong you know one st- one day one day gets put behind because they didn't rehearse with the extras so they weren't ready to shoot it that day fucked them so every single thing that happened like the the lead having to be out for a couple of weeks for and then the flooding medical testing and the flooding ruining some God. stuff and and then I think Johnny Depp somebody only be
1: there for a certain period of yeah, time. Yeah,
3: because Johnny Depp's a busy guy. And so all these little things that put them a little behind was enough to bury them.
0: Now, do you guys, out of curiosity, from Brian Watson-Jones' terribly thin... DVD collection. (laughs) It's not thin. It's just dozens and dozens
3: of copies We're being polite in saying it's thin. It's really horrendously thin. It's as many
0: copies of Mimic as I can get from Target. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Is that an Atari E.T.? Um, Classy. Right? So, I like watching behind-the-scenes stuff on DVDs. I really do. Mm -hmm. Um, I like watching the nerdy stuff a lot. You know, it doesn't have to be... I mean, I, I give or take, but like on my action movies... Sometimes I want to see how they did that. My favorite thing was growing up was the Raiders because Raiders got a lot of pro, of play, like on TV, on mainstream TV. I'm like, how did Raiders of the Lost Ark? Did they do the drag? How did they do the boulder? Is that mm-hmm. real, man? And how it was does his hat not, not fall? off? In did every you watch the DVD chase? of
1: Lost in the Mancha? Yeah. Was no. There,
0: well, there was, no. 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 I watched it on. It was on. I uh, watched
1: it on Netflix streaming. Yeah, yes, me too. Oh, uh, I was I was curious like what they would add because the whole thing is basically a making of documentary. That's, right. that's my yeah. point. It's yeah. like, that's why I thought you we were going. That's about. my I wasn't favorite... sure, but that's where I
0: thought. But we were those going. are my favorite parts, you know. And so seeing this, but then like you see the dirty version, you know, like you usually see the clean up version of you know this is how we made the fight happen. Here's a little mock up, and in this one it's like Johnny Depp can't be here for a while. Uh, Vanessa Parity can't be here for a while. And when Johnny Depp... Dug, and like Oh, John her Roque.
1: screen tests were cool, too. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And then Jean Roquefort was here, and then he was gone, and then he came back, and then he was injured. But the things I really dug up... I mean, and then Johnny Depp, and he shows up, you know, and this guy's, at the time, flush off of, what, Fear and Loathing? Probably and not. Um, Don Juan DeMarco. Yes. Chocolat. Yeah. Actually, lot. I thought, you Shook know... Chocolat. I thought Johnny Depp
1: being there was just kind of like, he's there it's not like he was doing anything really interesting the most interesting stuff was the production design stuff right yeah like them putting together uh don quixote's armor and like Terry Gilliam that
0: was my that favorite where well, he was like oh no we don't want this we're we ripping this. it off yeah. I and mean, like putting this it there or... on. this looks like, too yeah. much like another he goes, piece his head out, should, like should be a places. bedpan right yeah. and he goes and i want this to look like and terry nothing. gilliam's own art like in there Yeah, yeah. and he just would scribble stuff out that was super cool sketching
1: out stuff but the heartbreaking
0: part
3: for me was and Sorry if I'm stepping on you here, but the, watching the moment where Terry Gilliam, and I can't remember his like, co-producer's name, watching the moment where they decide this has gone from a giant series of challenges we have to overcome to yeah. something we have to get out of as gracefully as possible.
0: Yeah. That, that moment mean, where they seem to make that decision of, okay, how do we leave? Yeah. And that was an act of nature happening. And in the movie, so in case we've like been talking Well, I don't even, even think it.
1: that. That act of nature, I think that killed it. Definitely, but I think John Rockford would have... Him being out yeah. for a long yeah. period of time would have killed it anyway. So, what we so have, you got those two, like, yeah. consequences that are kind of, like, together happening in quick succession. They killed it right away. John Rockford mm-hmm. hadn't been there, like... For several weeks they might have just trampled on as far as fast as they could and then it might have eventually
0: just yeah, filling in all the little little things they could do without Don Quixote. They and they even meant they gave lip service to trying to salvage it. Mm-hmm. But you know, like their the way he storyboarded it, the way he was like trying to organize, plus you know you have to look with the location shooting, like how much time do we have here? Because there are things like uh, I keep thinking about <laughs> behind the scenes, Batman Begins, right? You remember that one with uh, Liam Neeson? Christian Bale, segue with me. So they had that little, like, sword fight on the lake. Mm-hmm. They had, like, a tiny, like, five-day window. They're like, oh, we need to get it so we can get some ambient cracking noises. We're going to put you guys out on the lake. You're going to practice on an ice rink in America and then come over here and do it. By the way, it's kind of dicey right now. <laughs> it's like Minnesota on March 2nd. You have to get your ice house off the lake. Mm-mm. That's, like, the rule. doesn't matter if it's, like, a super cold April. Off the lake now. Uh, and in this case... The 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 moment where they were trying now, so so we're talking about like the fact they're doing. Does everybody know what Don Quixote is about? Okay, so now that we're past the uh, Cliff Notes uh, version, about a guy named Don who <laughs> who has donkeys named Quixote. So he's so Gilliam's trying to do his own version of Don Quixote with. Like, time travel. Oh, that was yeah. really
1: fascinating. That would have been
0: interesting. Yeah, it would have been. It's a Connecticut Yankees in, in King Arthur's Court. That's, that's oh, yeah, that's, yeah, nice. Very nice. So he's basically doing that with Johnny Depp being an ad executive. Am I getting yeah, that right? Like kind yeah, kind like Nebby-ish. nebby yeah. And then he somehow gets thrust back into 17th, 16th century Spain where he meets uh, Jean Roquefort and it's and part he, of like a chain gang. Yeah, it's part of a chain
1: Ruffarts, gang. Don Quixote like rescues him from yep. the chain yeah. gang, and
0: he becomes Sancho Panza in this story. Mm-hmm. Um, and they only had like the chain gang scenes and some like other superficial scenes in these valleys in Spain when the skies open up and they get rain. Now, rain is bad enough, but this was like flooding rain. Yeah, this is desert rain. Like, there's nowhere for the rain to go if there's enough. To yeah, it. it's yeah. just gonna wash through. Yeah, washed. Everything I and wish- it, watching it like and like when I read about it like oh it hailing got more- on the the windshields hailing yeah. on the windshields moving like equipment and they're running out and like trying to rescue and salvage yeah. everything not just like little things floating away like pallets of stuff oh, yeah. so
1: that wasn't the only problem with the sites because there's military aircraft going
0: going over and going they couldn't have
1: yep. the time and it was just like drowning out actors voices yeah. which is were tra- workable i mean they had to do that
3: with lord of the rings they
0: had to adr i think 80 percent of the oh, movie yeah, yeah. because
3: of jets going over
0: and so and gilliam's frustration right there like he was just like just Go, go. Just do it again. We'll do it again. Something's going to be good. We'll out re-record, of all these. We'll re-record we'll re- the sound. I don't yeah. care if it's all ruined. Let's do it. And it, just, it was just like a domino effect of things happening at the same time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the heartbreaking thing was like, you're like, you're not going to get your lead actor back. And your, your famous actor... Your name, your marquee actor, yeah, the one who's going to sell. I his really think America. America,
1: if John, th- if if John Rockford had been able to stay in, I think they would have made it despite the flood, yeah, and stuff. Because mm-hmm. John Rockford being in means that they had their main actor. The investors come in; they come because there's a whole investor scene. Where yeah, the they had their European come in investors, and then like the investors come in, maybe that would have brought more money in somehow, and that would have kind of got the production over the hump that it needed to get over. Mm-hmm. I, the, but 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 those two things happening like just
0: killed it. And you yeah. know, I know about like when you watch movies, you like you know that there's producers and investors behind it. They're called produ- they are the producers. You know, yeah, they're given like like executive or yeah, associate giving up money, need the credit. The pictures they were taking like trying to buy time, mm-hmm. and with all like and what it was like forty of them with Easily, like Terry yeah. Gilliam like posing in front of them sure. and, like yeah, all these people probably like threw in like twenty thousand to like. Maybe a million a piece, mm-hmm. because it doesn't. I mean, if you get people who are saying yes and writing their checks, then you can be a producer in a film, and the bigger the film, and this one is probably having people who are like taking out second mortgages, maybe saying, "This guy, I saw his fear and loathing. It's a good. He's a good one."
1: Yeah, and I yeah. don't. I don't think it ever. Making said Don
0: any. Quixote in Spain, yes. Yeah, it I mean, doesn't. He's a Spanish citizen. It doesn't
1: that. ever say in the film like how much money they lost, did it? No, I don't think yeah. so. Mikey's shaking his head. Yeah, no, 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 no. There was
3: a lot of debate about how much they could get back from the insurance companies, but they never gave like a number.
0: Yeah. So, so I, I don't
1: know how much money was lost on this film.
0: Yeah. And how much time they had to spend saying, look, we're having this problem. And the insurance company's like, well, we're to schedule a claim, we're going to do some research and talk to your investors, mm-hmm. make sure this is not like a fraudulent thing. Mm-hmm. And that takes time. Right. And what they're like, if, if you're a studio, and nowadays the studios are all about release dates. And even going back, I think, to two thousand two, they were still like saying, Well, if you're gonna do start shooting here, when can you tell us this is gonna be in theaters? Right. Because even if this is some merchant ivory bullshit yeah. where we want an independent film like that'll be at for example the lagoon, you know, we need to know when you're gonna release it. Yeah. And if you because at the that's beginning, when our
3: financial investment is gonna start seeing money coming back.
1: Right. And if I you I wish I would have thought of this. Like as I was watching it, I was really wish I had a timeline of all the events and like how much time was like within the start of production and then right. getting all the money and when mm-hmm. it like ended and like just see how well, much they time. Barely, added. yeah. It was, they, it was. It didn't seem like much time. No, it seemed well, like it a couple like, of weeks.
3: They got. There was probably a longer period of pre-production, sure, with, like building and designing stuff. Yeah, because the actual no filming for... stuff didn't
0: seem like they did more than a couple of weeks worth. Mm-hmm. The pre-production stuff, though, like because because of Gilliam's necess- like need. And, bef- and like, he doesn't do the CGI stuff, so you yeah, know you've no. got like these people who are doing like full scale puppets, like carving which were awesome, huge, which were awesome.
2: That carving lit
0: and catch arms, yeah, and, yeah, huge scale like like building fronts, mm-hmm. and it's like nowadays, you know, would somebody have a conversation with him and say, uh, I'm th- I'm reminded of the conversation between George Lucas and uh, Scorsese, and Scorsese brought him on the set of Gangs of New York, and Scorsese was like. I am going to build, like, this crappy-looking, like, 1850s New York City Bayfront. I want this to be as authentic-looking. And George Lucas was like, you know, you can just paint a green warehouse and do this now, right? Mm-hmm. And there, I think, like, we talk about this now with a new Star Wars movie, right? That that J.J. Abrams is like, we wanted, like, practical to be practical. We need that feeling of, like, the original movies. Otherwise, there's, some, there's like, a disconnect and I think that's something that I really appreciate Terry Gilliam doing, mm-hmm. is that he really wants to have, uh, and you see this in, like, a lot of his work, like like uh, The Fisher King, one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. It's not like, like, you've got, like, a, the knight in red armor, like, bless your heart. So you've got, like, Robin Williams freaking out, and it's, like, an actual person with, like, flamey pyrotechnics. Well,
1: having I just seen Zero Theorem, I can say that the... Tactic, like the tactile space that uh, the main character is living in is it's all real, like it feels real anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's like he's there. What's it, who's that character? Christoph Waltz. Uh, he's just in this space. But I'm sure, like, when he goes outside, all of this digital stuff that's out there isn't really there, right? But it feels real because it's like hung on, like practical effects a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And I think, in terms of Terry Gilliam, he really does want that, like, sort of atmosphere to give it life. Well, what I'm always reminded of when I think of And J.J. Abrams, I think, is like, trying to do that, too, with Star
3: Wars. Theater.
0: Yeah. They're trying to create a well, form of theater. What of, I always think like... of is um,
3: Bram Stoker's Dracula, because every single effect in that movie is in-camera and practical. Like, but, uh, even uh, the, the stuff... Coppola version? Yeah, the Coppola, yeah. The Coppola one. Every oh, single sure, one. Sure. Even the weird ones where it's like a, a misty head over a train. It's a double exposure shot of a face and then a model train. There, there's oh yeah, no, they do all the washes mm-hmm. and stuff too. Yeah, there's yeah. no stuff, even the stuff that you can forgive for CGI, like you know, some sort of weird lighting effect. Or, right, right.
0: Or a thing you can only do with double exposure or CGI. Or they have something like standing in the in front of the, the, the light source... So it looks like it's creeping, like the whole creeping out, like lo- yeah. lo- looming shadow, right? Yeah, right, where right. a
3: guy's climbing on a wall, it's somebody else leaning over a horizontal window watching someone climb on the floor. It's not a double shot with a green screen. So things like that, where's, where a director thinks, this is what's important. We need to have people reacting to
0: stuff that's happening. I think, I think that old school filmmaking is pretty rad. I think one of the things I made, we just were talking about this when we were frassing about Hobbit movies before we started recording, what peter jackson had a shoehorn in you know before he got super famous and made the hobbit movies was what a lot of people have been kvetching about mm-hmm. and that you know you've got elijah wood sitting three feet behind uh ian mckellen on a cart
2: mm-hmm. and yeah. that's doing what we're perspective doing perspective
0: tricks yeah, yeah. We're, we're like this far back and ian mckellen's that far back and you know saying do not take me for some conjure of cheap tricks you know it's like <laughs> you're just like and you're sitting there in the theater like pushing back in your seat like no we will not do that sir Ian we will not yes so and now it's just like you're in barrels and you're going through you know Splash Mountain
1: yeah there's a fine mix between CG and practical effects and like Mm -hmm. the Lord of the Rings is almost perfect on maybe with some blips sure sure but, like, the Hobbit movies are much different where it's predominantly CG. You remember back when, uh, I think, uh, the first Hobbit movie was uh, filmed, like, I think an article came out where, like, Ian McKellen was really sad about, like, being yeah. basically on a green screen mm-hmm. with just nothing behind him and just working with the actors and that's all he Reacting had. Reacting
3: to a tennis ball. Yeah,
1: yeah. exactly. He had, exactly. he had
0: to do that in the, in the scenes with, with the ball rug. And you know he—he, which
1: it's a ball rock, okay. right? Yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> well, even really, like with like, I you mean, know,
3: those things are endangered. Everything. You but he can't said, get the permit to catch one of those. Oh, of course, and his, It's
0: his incredibly joke, hard. The laws his, are just crazy. His joke on like it was like Conan or Jay Leno. He's like he goes he goes you know he goes and I'm sitting there looking at this, this tennis ball, and I'm like you shall not pass, and I'm like you shall not serve. <laughs> Forty Love, and he goes, you know, he's like making jokes about it. I'm like, what would you do, you know? Like, you right. got like all these different times, but everybody's like, when you're in the theater seeing the final result, you're like, "You shall not pass, Hercules, Hercules." Yes. It's great, and I and I loved. Did you just nutty Professor out on us. I did. I nutted out. I buffed a nutty professor. So um, that that was my take on Lost in La Mancha. I would also like to say that if you guys have ninety minutes, the listeners. Oh, yeah, it's worth a watch. It is yeah. worth a watch. For it, is, it is hard. I mean, maybe it's just... I mean, I, I've i been a part
3: of theater productions that fell apart. Mikey, you probably have. You've been in a lot of stuff, I well, know.
0: Yeah, I think there's yeah. been... I
3: something. don't know. Yeah, I think Josh, so. you haven't maybe been a in a lot of stuff? I no. Know you not, not
0: like, oh, yeah,
1: my theater days were in the college. Right, yeah.
3: But every now and again, you're in a show where you're... There's... The story of what the show is going to be is beautiful, but then it just completely... Fo- all, it's just a... A rusty bus falling down a rocky hill and stuff falling off of it the whole way. Kid. And at some point you say, I need to get off this bus.
0: Kid, you've been involved in how many fringe productions? And you think about like the people who like not the people who are like do the fringe, but the people who like get involved in the fringe and you're like, mm-hmm. I'll be in your show and they're like, This is what I have And you're like, Do you know what the oh, fringe festival yeah. is, dude? This is not like about pyrotechnics and laser lights. Yeah, no. This is about like getting in in five minutes, doing a show in forty-five, why, and that's running. That's why for three
3: years I've been doing fringe orphans,
0: maybe four, depending
3: on how oh, the lotto goes in three yeah. days. Yeah, yeah. But
1: Monday, 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 Monday,
3: Monday. By the time
1: this podcast past. goes up, we will know if you're in the fringe yeah, exactly. or if you're on the
3: waitlist So, but that's totally
0: like, yeah, let's do some crap. Come on, let's make the scene changes fast. Yeah. That's and my biggest ambition. And that's again not to say that we you can't. Oh As yeah, an artist put something up. I mean.
3: Um, Well, every single artistic creation, whether it's a film or a stage play or a painting or anything, is you having this perfect, perfect idea of what you want to do and then trying to get the reality as close to that as possible. And it's heartbreaking to watch someone totally fail to get anywhere remotely acceptable.
0: Yep. And in theater, when they fail, you just sit in the audience and you're like, Jesus Christ. Oh,
3: God. But they know who I'm taking out for a beer afterwards. That guy.
0: The most popular, like, fringe production, speaking of, are the ones that utilize, um, I'm thinking about, like, Derek Derek Miller's company. Are you
1: talking about, actually, when you were talking, I was thinking, like, if there was a making of feature where Ballad of the Pale Fisherman (laughs) fell apart, (laughs) that would have the same mood as I would have watching this, because it's all that, oh, there's so much promise here. And then it just fell apart.
0: Yeah. It didn't fall apart though. It's a, it's a know, good it show. No, it didn't
1: fall apart. But like, yeah. if it had
0: transatlantic like, love affairs, that... transatlantic
1: love affairs. See, yeah,
0: they know. they do that kind of theater where they create worlds, with their bodies and with. Very minimal props. Uh, the Beast of uh, Gavadon. Gavadon. Well, that's uh, Sandbox now. Sandbox. But yeah, yeah again. Same thing. It, it, it's, it's the same. same similar it, it's thing. Sticks and Sheets type theater. Sticks and Sheets. Which is my put...
3: Amber's theater is the Sticks and Sheets outfit. Because it, it is totally like Sticks and Sheets outfit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Winding, winding project. Sheet winding Project. Winding <laughs> Sheet What am I thinking of?
2: <laughs> Whatever. Stitch
1: and, stitch and I bit. love the idea of sticks, sticks and Sheets, though. Sticks and Sheets <laughs> is the style of theater. It's what Upright
3: <laughs> Egg used to do when we it, were alive. Um, we're a thing. Yeah. Are we're... you a thing. Yeah. Mm. I got a half of my, my storage locker's full of costumes. Does that count? Um, All these eclectic costumes with weird things in them. And still pull them out every now and again. Sometimes you need maybe to be as right. a Boy Scout. No further comment. Maybe,
0: <laughs> um, maybe Upright Egg needs to do a La Mancha.
1: Upright yeah. Egg's La Mancha. I'd I did that. really...
3: I've, I've read Don Quixote, and it is... I like the first book a lot better than the second book. But, yeah. So
0: it, It's a gorgeous gorgeous story i'd love to see a great film version i'm not surprised they failed at it and i'm i'm really bummed that john rockford honestly that 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 yeah, he image. was perfect yeah. that man was don quixote so well, that's the um, tough but they, they talk about that the tough part we
3: need to find a 60 to 70 year old man who can still do all the stuff we need Don Quixote to do and play him well? They had the cast That's a, that they that's a tough yeah. nexus to hit, and they just missed it with
0: genre. And they even pointed out that motherfucker could ride a horse. Mm-hmm. Right, big deal, people. and like control like yeah. a horse so, uh, and look comfortable. So uh, just be on a horse. Take a quick break, and then we move on to our next bill. Yeah, and then we'll have another movie where the cast seemed to be there, but then it didn't come together. <laughs> Just finished talking about Lost in La Mancha by Terry Gilliam. I forgot. And we are going to talk about it more. We will chat about it some more. Right now, we are going to get into the murky bottle, which is. No, no, you must be a warrior. uh, A spiritual warrior. If you're going to listen, you need to be a spiritual warrior. And you perhaps need to get a cat on your lap. And you need to have really amazing caps on your teeth. That man, the cat on my that man had some impressive caps on his teeth. You have oh, yeah. to admit. Because every time he smiled and tried to, like, he's, like, articulating himself, he's going, he goes, I what the fat guy, yes? Smile, smile, smile. And you're like, keep talking. keeps like, and I get the fat guy. So, Chodorowsky's Dune. So in 1984... Oh, shit. So in 1984, David Lynch came out with the Doom movie. Was it 84? I thought it was still in the 70s. Lynch came out. Lynch. Okay. So Lynch... So this is after. David Lynch came out with a movie with Kyle MacLachlan and... Chucky Cario, Patrick Stewart.
2: Sting! Sting, Sting in the Speedo! You Sting know, I heard actually speedo.
1: Lynch wanted to take his name off of it because he kind of came in at the last minute yeah. to fix everything. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Lynch.
0: And, you know... But I think Joe
1: Dawarski says that. Oh, it's
0: not really his film. Right. and so, I can tell. So, <laughs> like that... I mean, when you're growing up, I mean, we talked about that. I was like, 1984 is the best year because you've got some great... Like, it was after Star Wars Oh, movies. yeah. It was one of those years where it's just every studio came out with two or
3: three... Really iconic yeah. things.
0: Ghostbusters. Yeah, we talked about it like in the during the Johnny Dangerously one. We actually had a conversation oh, about this. Yeah, yeah, I did. Meaning, ugh.
1: so
3: we had a conversation about film history, which is Josh and I sat there and went, "I wonder if I can make an important point, or if we're yeah, just gonna, yeah, that's how I feel We're just riding the, time, the waves like, at this point.
1: Eh, where can I get in some iconic like, uh, words in here? I can't remember exactly dates. My of chance to sound smart. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah,
0: the rental law. <laughs> So I'm just going to take a second to feel like a dickhead here. Oh, you're
1: not a dickhead. You sound, you sound versus good. versus Fergus. You sound good. You're good radio, Mikey.
0: And <laughs> now I'm going to go into the fact that – some
1: more. You're good radio.
0: The fact that you uh, you mentioned that you saw it. And I did. We had, we had um, actually – Sam
1: Lamin and I and Ariel Leaf and a couple uh, – who else? Uh, maybe um, a couple other people who I can't remember now uh we went already a pretty good lineup yeah, yeah you, uh, you yeah, lagooned, it. You yeah, lagooned yeah, it i really yeah. wanted to see it because it looked amazing i think i was, I think tr- I was working late that
3: night yeah. because i saw the group that was going and i saw what it was about and i was like
1: oh i want it. oh i want that and like i didn't have to work what i like about joe Dawarski's dune uh, that i think puts it in a different places of lost in la mancha is that it's sort of like an ad for joe Dawarski like it sort of like puts him out there in such a way as like it's oh of like, course this is amazing it's more like a chapter of his autobiography yeah exactly so you could imagine all these other like segments of it like where it was Santa Sangre El Topo The Holy Mountain I haven't seen any of those work. I know Santa Sangre is on one of those I am planning to have a night where I mainline all of those films don't do it and don't then do I, I will go insane and kill everybody <laughs> don't do it because well, I'll come
3: over for Santa Sangre and to hold you down and put a bolt
0: in the back of your head what is it El El Topo no no the the what was the first one he did that people freaked out about it was El Topo I no no no, El no, Topo, the, was, no 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 the oh, first
1: one a, there was a, the pen, core, there, was a per, there was a one before that
0: Quartis right? or whatever with like the yeah weird stuff it's name
1: I can't remember oh so oh. so Joe has had these like years of success right with these kind of like Things that became He's like midnight av- films, avant-garde.
3: Yeah, well, he
1: came
0: out of a theater background. That's that's what I want to talk about. All right, so Jodorowsky's Dune starts with he. And, you know, this guy did the unfinished version of Dune, which eventually became the nineteen eighty four version of Dune by David Lynch, and then the sci fi production version. Muadib. Um, right, but with the the dude from. Have you guys seen Waiting for Guffman? Oh yeah, yes. Do you remember the we're, hot we're mechanic? of course, we've seen the people. hot mechanic that he hires that can't do it. He's like, I hate yep. you and I hate your ass face. That's Fade, Rotha. Sting.
1: Wow, huh. yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, Matt, what's his butt? Huh. Yeah, Kessler, Kessler. So, um, so that was the. And then also, James McAvoy uh, was like the son of Muad'Dib in like the sequel. And Susan Sarandon, I guess, was in it later on. Probably, yeah. All right, so I, that's right.
1: So I think I saw half of the sci-fi production of
0: Dune. Okay. Yeah. So the, this is this is what I think was like super 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 cool. After I rented it and I put it in, I was like, okay, so this is gonna be a ninety minute mind fuck. But he he starts off with like kind of the shit that I remember being. It made me feel like I was in college again. That's what I liked about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because yes, he was just like, like we're discovering the way to get in truth. But he was yeah. just. But you know, he's like he goes. I I start off with, and I'm sorry, we're gonna do the accent because this man, this white coifed attractive spanish crazy spanish man is got like- I want to be the lawyer version of him. <laughs> That's not a bad thing to go for. He You're was just, thirty years. You must uh, go into court like a warrior.
3: But he was just like you must show your opponent you are not afraid. You will destroy
0: <laughs> him because you are him. And have a packet, <laughs> have a packet in your pocket of a very powerful weed. So this guy. So if you lose, you do not care. But only talk- in a place where it is legal, because otherwise that is against the code of professional conduct. <laughs> he he talks about his background. <laughs> And it just – it reminds me of like the the classes I actually – I hated because like neoclassicism through realism drove me nuts because it was like 17th century through modern times. And I had my theater prof, the PhD prof guy who was the bane of all the kids in in the undergraduate would really nail home Ionesco, Beckett and all those guys. And then when he starts like name dropping them saying – He's like, these are the things, these are the people I started doing as a production artist. And then I started getting into a film, and I don't know speed, and I don't know anything. And I'm just like, I fucking like you already. Is He's he, talking,
1: like, he talks about Ionesco. Who else does he talk about? Did, Beckett, Beckett, Ionesco. Yeah.
0: Um, he's just like he's like name checking. He is a
1: theater guy. He's a yeah, theater
0: guy, very much. So. And that, and like,
1: I loved his office, just full of books, full and of books, like, you're like feeling your His like, name oh my on God. a bunch of books
3: and a cat. One, and he was around. just yeah. There's and I want to read damn. all of his
1: graphic
0: novels that he did later. It's mm-hmm. just like oh, and he's and I, he, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of like such a convoluted way that Dune found its way into his lab. But like seriously, he does. He does like a... Well, read- I don't
1: think he knows how
0: Doom fell into Yeah. Well, it, it he doesn't even fucking read it until well, like yeah, after he's here, he like, here's the, to the me. thing.
3: It, the What's his name? The French filmmaker who saw his stuff and was like, we need to work together. What Mobius. do you want to make? No, not Mo... The, the French say. producer. Um, yeah. Mobius was the, the, oh, the, the guy that comic producer. No, the yeah. yeah, there was yeah, like, yeah. the producer. Who yeah, Bayo maybe? But, um... And he said, "What do you want to make?" And he said, "Dune." And he didn't know why he said Dune. I think somebody recommended it to yeah. him at some point. And then he said, "I could have made Don Quixote," and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Oh yeah, yeah what a connection that! I know, like, yeah. We already
2: got some Well,
3: we'll get to that. But could you. have made Don Quixote, could have made Hamlet, but he said Dune, <laughs>
0: and he couldn't tell you why. And he just and they and they brazenly go forward, and he creates the world of Dune. And, it, and with it, well, Moebus and
1: all those storyboards, it's a huge, his huge book. It's just like, you know, what is it? Yeah, two I feet noticed, by, I like, and like a foot a, thick almost? I felt like that was
3: a 90-minute oh commercial to start printing that book. Because by the end of it, I would have bought a copy. Oh, but, I uh,
1: looked it up. We looked, we were like, I'm like, I've is got Is it a, available? No. Damn it. There's like two of them. Like, uh, there's the yeah, one but, he has and then the ones that the studios might have in a like warehouse he Imagine if they around could, if,
3: if they could yeah they could make like a 75 dollar coffee table high quality oh that
0: man would make up the budget to do the whole movie it.
1: yeah so okay so well, the thing is is like with that like I would love to see this as an animated film I think it would work perfectly and I would really really love to see an animated film with this much balls like like it because, like, everything, like, for animated... I love animated film. I will go see an animated film. I don't care what it is. I will go see it. And uh, I've seen most of the animated films that were nominated for this year. Because I just love watching something on the screen. Because that's the most, like, interesting visual stuff I can usually see.
3: Right, right. Yeah. and, and Well, they can blend but it's all usually, elements of but
1: it. But it's usually, like, you know, it's tailored to children to adults. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that's tailored to, like, older teens to adults in the animated genre and this would be like more tailored to that yeah Gosh. i would love to see it do because this is a bloody film like from uh, cradle to grave, it is like a oh, yeah. bloody film. He's talking about—I don't know if you watched any of the extras or anything uh-uh. like on it—but yeah. he's talking about a sequence that they that there's a sequence from it that's cut uh, that what never was in Jodorowsky's Dune. The whole thing is—it's like where he's talking—they're showing storyboards of like weapons just massacring people and like they'd stand, they stand—you wouldn't see like them actually stand, but they come up again and there'd be entrails around them mm-hmm. and blood lurking everywhere. Just
0: an amazingly
1: visual thing. How have you guys seen... Oh.
0: Have you guys read... No, have either of you read the Backstreet Herbert book, Dune? Oh, I've read Dune. Yeah. No, yeah, I haven't read the Herbert. I mean,
3: I've, I've read... When I was a kid, I had the comic book book version of Lynch's Dune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I read that probably a dozen times. Finally saw the Lynch movie and it made perfect sense because I'd read all this backstory but to it. But I haven't read the Herbert. That's not a bad start. Uh, interesting. Oh, yeah, and it still feel, And But there was still stuff in Jodorowsky's where I'm
0: like, that's interesting. And that's like... Hard sci-fi philosophy going on. When they gave out, when, when Lynch's version came out, they actually gave out a, a bibliography mm. for people showing up who didn't know what these terms were. And I think, I, I feel like we've talked about
1: definitions, Like a yes. sort of thing.
0: A total glossary. Well, I
1: mean, you totally need it. Like, but, meant yeah. at, what the hell a mentat? But
0: they, but you know, when you read Dune in the back, Herbert gives it to you.
1: Oh yeah, but a lot of fantasy and sci-fi novels have that. But they also well, like you build a world, you end up having to build a language. I mean, he I also was a knitted, huge fan of uh, the Wheel of Time series, and like the whole like half like hundred pages of it is just a glossary.
0: And of, like, also, terms. but his his he's a fan of like like Arabic and and like and like Middle Eastern culture. So they talk about holy wars in it, you know, and they talk and like there's a lot of like n- very specific Arabic terms in there, you know, like. There, you know, like a fatwa was issued on, you know, like Paul Muadib and all of his family, you know, and so like all the Atreides and you're like, whoa, whoa. I'm like, and if you read these in a post 9-11 world, it's like.
1: I would. I don't yeah. know. I don't really have the time to go back and read for Frank Herbert's Dune. It's not something I really want to do. I kind of want to, though, just to see the perspective change that would happen, because I think as a teenager, I read it as like a story of. uh a uh, guy Plot. who was like you know trying to like come into his own and like be a hero and whatever and I don't think really Paul Atreides is a hero
0: in that to be honest he's you know he's 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 a muckraker so okay so all right anyway anyway getting back to the movie Chodorowsky is somewhat I don't know God he, I love him that oh, man he he's is a character bananas he is bananas yeah the
3: uh, he okay it, he's one of those guys who is. Uh, Emily and I ended up watching this together just because she was here um, and didn't feel like leaving the living room as I watched it. And she hated him because all she saw, all she saw was ego. Because he is pretty pure, uncut ego.
2: Yeah, because, he's a lot of bluster.
3: Yeah, I mean, well, he's an avant-garde director. You don't get into that and be humble about it. You can't. It's impossible. So I, the way I saw him, I I loved him. I mean, he's nuts. I don't think I could stand to work with him because i don't think i could handle that uh,
0: full blast that pure
1: unadulterated yeah ego. that
0: yeah. whatever you call a cocaine high when i would need to to deal with
1: him well he yeah. walks
0: he walks in those meetings you know like he talks about it mm-hmm. and he's like i walk in the meeting and he's all about himself and i'm like i can't work with you and i'm like which one you know this is interesting but which one of these guys looked at you and said I don't want to work with you either. You're <laughs> you're knucking futz.
1: Yeah. Or when
0: he's talking to Pink Floyd. Yeah, right. They're goes, all eating hamburger. They're all having McDonald's, and I'm I like, how can you eat McDonald's to when a I warriors have this? says you eat a Big Mac, you can't be warriors if you put Big Mac in your face. No. Oh yeah, he's such a like
1: yeah. that quintessential theater guy. Like that he's definitely director. a guy whose work I want to see
3: because that is. I mean to. I love mind expanding, philosophical, sci fi, and really anything, anything that really challenges my evolution as a being. And he's the sort of guy who you need to lead you down that path, but he's really fucking hard to
0: deal with because he's crazy. He's Darren fucking Nichols, dude. He's Darren Nichols from Slings and Arrows. Yeah. And like, I look at him, I'm just like, so this is this is the archetype. That's
1: like Darren Nichols turned up to like eleven.
0: But <laughs> that's
1: that
3: is the archetype right but, there. But with the talent that Darren Nichols mostly just thinks he has.
1: Yes. And he God I don't but, think there's any questioning that Joe had the talent to make this. I oh, think yeah. he could have done it. Maybe.
0: Okay, but this <laughs> but, but, but like I mean the thing was they kept folding the pre production stuff, folding and folding and folding it, and like and like it it felt like a sandworm. Like eating, a like pulling people into the universe, you know, and even his like far reaches, like Dolly. What have thought about that? This is what this is what I love about
1: Jodorowsky's doing is that it feels like it's a getting the gang together to commit like a heist thing. Yes. And yeah, and then the <laughs> heist never happens. The Ocean's Eleven of exactly. insane seventies
3: avant garde. Because
1: people. he's like, I need to get. uh... Mobius, and he just happened to be at my agent's like thing, and my uh, I got him, and he was there. And that's us do, let's do we the
3: We
0: well, so we went to Paris and we found and out who where he liked to eat dinner. So and we went there, and there he was. <laughs> so bringing it, so bringing it back, Turovsky, the avant-garde crazy man, is well, is crazy man is being nice. He. You know this. He's uh, we, a nutbag. He's a nutbag. His his accolades before this. It's not like Spielberg who had done Dune or Duel. Excuse me. And now, <laughs> sorry, Spielberg's Dune. So Spielberg hey. who had done Duel and now we're going to give him Jaws to see what he can do with it. Right. Next, see know. what his sophomore effort can be. But we have this guy who did like an Amalgar movie where in in South America there was riots. Then he does um, what's the 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 mountain. Holy Mountain. Holy Mountain, which was funded by, at that time, the hippie drugged out Beatles and who wouldn't be parts of the movie because he was like, I want you to eat mushrooms and jump in the lake. You know, like and like George Harrison's like, oh, no, I don't think I want to do that, Joe Ruski. I think it's a bad idea. So then we have That's a dead on George Harrison. Impression so then we have folks. Then we have the, radio. Thank you very much. Um, then we have El Topo which I had heard about and I think El Topo became before Holy Mountain
1: just so you know you're getting El Topo
0: did Holy it Mountain, yes I thought it was like El Topo was the one that like made him yes I- and
1: then he like El Topo made him okay that was the one then he that, got the money to riots. do okay then he got yeah. to do Holy Mountain and then I think his third film is Sante Sangre he did another film Sante, too.
0: Sangre. Sante, Sante Sangre. Sangre
1: yeah and then he did another film like within the last like couple of years my
0: apologies so let's do a rewind and cut uh, so El Topo, Oh, that's fine. Good El here. Topo was his his version of and it's important I want to bring up El Topo because El Topo was his version of spaghetti western uh emulating you know like and a, a, sort
1: of like his autobiography too. Like, oh, no, no! his autobiography? No, he said that in that in thing. It's sort of like him growing up. It's
0: like this, <sighs> like, fuck.
1: it's, it's, he's crazy.
0: He's crazy. <laughs> he plays, he plays a gun. He's uh, crazy. It's, it's important to point, he plays like the, clean but I think sword. he was supposed to be like the boy in that. In he El plays football. the gunfighter in black who is basically better than everybody else has a line where somebody's like, who are you? And he says, wait, I am God. Soy Dios. Soy Dios. Yo Soy Dios. And then he casts at the time, this was 1969, his own like 8-year-old son in it. Mm-hmm. And the line that I like he's like bury this bury your first toy in this picture of your mother. You're a man now. <laughs> You're a man. <laughs> and I'm just like, the fuck. And later and the on the child is like naked in the desert. Naked mm-hmm. in the desert. And later on the interview. Which is just I'm, like what? <laughs> no, this is important. So he's a loon and he does loony trippy like half of his movies he demands like Take this mushrooms. Take this LSD. You can't be part of these movies unless you're tripping balls. Mm-hmm. He – later on, there's a story where he picks up Dan O'Bannon.
1: This is the writer of Alien eventually.
0: Uh, Dark Star. Yeah. And also he was like a storyboard artist of Dark Star. He is like an artist of Dark Star. And he like, I believe he's a warrior. So he meets him and he gives him some some powerful kush. Um, but – he, oh, this. And fucking... Dan
1: O'Bannon, like, believes it. Like, I think I would believe it too. Like, this guy is. Well, it's a cult of personality. Oh, and God, yes. He is
3: a driving force. Because Dan O'Bannon
1: drops everything and goes to Paris.
0: Yeah, sells everything and moves. His wow. his wife is, like, my favorite part of this documentary, I might add, because her recollections aren't just like, well, I don't remember. She's just like, you know, he came to me, he's like, I'm going to sell all my shit because I got really baked with this guy. And the voice they then they like show recordings and like he's because like, Dan
3: O'Bannon oh, is dead
0: so Dan O'Bannon is dead he so passed he away is. in two thousand nine um, but the voice of Dan O'Bannon he's like I wasn't I was expecting this eccentric like white haired maniac that I'd seen in the you know in like Holy previous Moon, movies Holy Mountain and he goes and this very attract this very good looking man gentleman. suave yeah. coiffed hair three piece suit but who goes into his pocket and pulls out like a newspaper folded up with like weed in it and he's like smoke this and then he gets stoned and he talks about the movie and the movie and the and the documentary goes into that trippy like around his like and he's like and he's describing what he was seeing until like literally like Jodorowsky like goes (laughs) brings it back and he goes and as soon as he did that everything stopped and I'm like yes I will follow you so let's just like, was be, that was that the
1: scene where like Jonowarski just looked at him a certain yes.
0: way? Yeah, he said it is like this, and
3: then I saw rays shooting out of his eyes and concentric. Circles. And then,
1: like Jonowarski was able to like turn it on
0: and then turn it off, <laughs> which is horseshit. So let's just talk about this. I followed <laughs> what your perception. The you the, the reality perception. of this no the reality of the situation is Mikey. It's like this. <laughs> he sold me some really really good sativa. And I'm like, man, I'm going to ditch my dealer. and I'm going to get this guy and go to Paris and smoke his weed. So that's like the bottom line. But he got – getting ahead of ourselves here. Let's go back to the kid. That's what I want to talk about. His kid. Oh. kid. Roski's oh, kid. Yeah. He wanted to
1: play Paul Atreides. Who he wanted to
0: be Paul and Atreides. And then had him train for two years, like six hours a day. Six hours a day, seven days a week, two years. <laughs> so let's talk about this. He wanted him to be the Paul Atreides and and in the books – Oh, uh, he's trained like six months of training. Gurney Halleck, right? Uh, it's Patrick Stewart, or no? It's, it's Gurney Halleck, or one of the characters in Dune trains Paul Atreides. right? And they and they talk about the, the significant training, the 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 still like the suits that go around them so when they spar yeah. with swords, mm-hmm. and move the, the knife he, slowly through the field to reach. He had, <laughs> and the, his memory was like very calm. He's like it was brutal. Like ground fighting and like karate and jujitsu, and it's just like you made your like ten year old son get his ass kicked, and he was just like, I don't know, it seemed like a good idea at the time. This is what I'd want. He goes, I wouldn't do it if if I didn't want my kid to do it. I'm like, his son seemed remarkably balanced, right? Yeah, kid seemed fine. And um... okay, so that hot, he was a really nice looking, good looking dude. True. Uh, he was he was a he was a piece of ass and uh then we have respectable looking respectable looking man so he's, he's probably an accountant he, <laughs> I, I think i think i figured him out
3: from because there were a couple of shots where Jodorowski was talking and his son was there they were being shot at the yeah, same yeah. time and he said something particularly nuts and his son just like looked at him and laughed and turned back to the camera and shook his head a little i was like ah that's how you deal with having that father
0: <laughs> well see that father can be his own person and the kid has to have probably have gone through yeah, forty years of like the kid eventually reached a point. You are like, your you own know what? person, sir. I'm
3: this guy. Yep. And you're that guy. So and I can interact with you, but I don't have to be part
0: of you anymore. So uh, the the assembling of this movie, and we talk. I think we we talked about Voltron. The assembling of this movie <laughs> on, on the previous nugget. But if Voltron was Ocean's Eleven and it was smoking pot in Mexico, it would be Jodorowsky too.
3: And
1: this season. movie is amazingly well produced in a way that Lost in La Mancha isn't. Right. Because Lost in La Mancha is...
0: Pieced together footage piece Pieced of... together footage. Right. But this
1: is it's like, on you know, the there's spot animated reporting. sequences, there's stills there's uh drawings and it's all very well produced and like yeah. i said before i think it's like kind of an ad for joe dawarski himself well that's
3: what it is it, it's on the spot reporting versus actual produced and planned film Yeah.
0: so right. they've got now they've got mobius his kid uh they've got and uh, the dan assembly O'Bannon, dan o'bannon everyone. they've got uh they finally pick up hr geiger, geiger. There's a sequence see, where Giger? they re- Giger, Geiger. Geiger yeah. Geiger. There's a sequence where they uh, Kubrick. They recruit
1: Dolly, and Dolly's yeah. just being crazy, and it's the Some craziness of Dolly's both of difficult, Dolly. Yeah.
3: They, I can't be the. I can't be second in this room.
0: They chase. They chase. Oh, how many three countries? Four countries? Yeah. They chase Dolly across several countries, mm-hmm. and they talk just laying out avant garde insane tests for Jodorowsky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and he fucking brilliantly passes the test because Jodorowsky is twice as nuts. He's like, I will do what you want me to do. and I'm i will. crazy in the same way. He's like, so if you were in the desert and you had one glass of water, <laughs> would you drink it or give it to your friend? I would put scorpions in your nutsack. Oh, you win! It's like I do, that's... I, that's I don't, don't remember that sequence, but it's totally what he would have done.
3: Right, you win. Here's half of the the charm that you must assemble in order and,
0: to get Dali in your film. And like, the, and like, Dali was like, "I will be in your movie, but I want a fucking gazillion dollars." He's like, he goes what, back to the producers. It? I want a hundred thousand dollars an hour to be to work for you. And he, he's like, he goes, "Can we can we support that?" And his producer's are like, "Fuck no." And they're like, "How long is he going to be in the movie?" And they're like. He's like, man, I don't know, five, five minutes, minutes tops. He's like, give him five hundred thousand dollars. He goes back. He goes, you will now be the five hundred. You'll be the one hundred thousand dollar a minute mm-hmm. actor. And he was like, yeah. Now we all know, though, of course, until he dropped out, that became Marlon Brando in Superman. Mm-hmm. Three years later, how about that? So nerd. Um, have we ever seen a photo of Marlon Brando
3: and Salvador Dali in the same place at the Because Saint he ate Salvador Dali. Oh, that explains it. But Salvador
2: it.
1: Dali's muse had a role in Marlon name. Brando opens up and Dali- Salvador Dali steps out. He's
0: like a nesting doll of Dali's. <laughs> <laughs> nesting <laughs> dollies. Trick you all. So, and uh, you know, Dali's muse, his last, like, Amanda lover. Amanda I yes, think. Was going to be Irulan, yeah. the, uh, the The queen. princess or whatever. Yeah, The yeah, daughter yeah. of the emperor. And uh, he wanted to have McJagger. Jagger. Be, uh mm-hmm. I want to keep keep saying Sting, Fade, uh, yeah. Ralthe, the sun, he, he the crazy sun. Pink Floyd to do the Atreides music. Yep, and then he's, Magma doing the. Her- Magma, her- I true. love, but I love when he was like, he goes, "I wanted each planet to have their own music. I wanted them all to have their own like song." And It was which just like, kind of brilliant, which is kind of fucking brilliant. It's like I like what you're going. He goes, "I yeah. want and everything soundtrack to have be
1: done by two So like, I mean, we're we're kind of. S- keeping on this area of, like getting together the team but right. like what the other cr- thrust Orson of the Wells. film that's, Orson the, that's the, the
0: capstone the of this crazy period god give him a fuck he goes i will buy the chef and he will put food <laughs> in your fat fucking face i'll do it and he goes see sí. i'll do it <laughs> Oh,
1: the french but, like, the other thrust of the film is that like because of all the creative product that came out of this it, it influenced at least 20 years of filmmaking
0: that, yeah, okay, so everything, now the team's been assembled. Yep. That's one of the things when I, uh, and I need to bring this back because Rachel, again, the fionn beef, was like, I don't want to watch a trippy movie. And she's like, What's up? I'm like, I walked away from this one at the end because, like, literally the last 15 minutes. And again, friends, watch this one. It's 90 minutes that you'll appreciate. I refer to this recording device as my friends. But little, at the end of it, and I and I talked to Josh about it very briefly. I said they started showing storyboards in the book in the in the Bible mm-hmm. that went on to influence. Mm-hmm.
1: See, fuck, I mean, um, I don't know. I mean, Dan went away and did Alien after this. Yes, yeah, the had creative have, team, have did. Tiger and Mobius, with him. Yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah. All this other stuff and Mobius. Like, this is how a lot of them got into the industry. Mm-hmm. And like they. See, there's a lot of direct. their stuff. There's a lot of direct links like that. I think a couple of them were
3: forced because things like I do were saying like yeah, the sword fighting that. that they were planning influenced Star Wars lightsabers. And I was sitting there thinking, how much of that is true, and how much of that is George Lucas and Jodorowsky both growing up seeing Errol Flynn right yeah, sword exactly. fighting stuff and going, I want to have a cool sword fight when I'm a grown up. So. A lot of that's a lot of that's probably very direct, and a lot of that was just like it's a light going into the clouds, like in Raiders, or like anything with a what, light going into the what clouds. What sticks in my
1: mind the most is like the Emperor stuff, and then like the Flash Gordon stuff, which is Flash Gordon isn't a movie that like most people like know of right unless you're like a super i want to watch
3: it just for brian blessed but
1: like you know some of the same like set and like the costuming that kind of like kind of flowed over into that sure sure and then like you know the h.r geiger stuff from like the harkonnen palace and then that being in prometheus the big face the big yeah
3: in fairness that's everything geiger ever did everything he ever did (laughs) looks like something the aliens shat out But that
1: was like basically you know that thing oh yeah, over it's there. it's they,
3: very it's it's because of the same guy and you put that yeah. much work into a design and you don't get to use it. Of course, you're not just going to start fresh. You're going to reuse your favorite bits because you made it. Well, then of you course, you're going to put it in something.
0: What was it Nicholas winding? How do you say his name? Winding. winding sheet outfit. Winding sheet outfit. Yeah, Nicholas winding sheet outfit Bjork. Uh, Riffern, the guy that did drive. He was. You know, the, I asked oh, Amber oh,
1: Bjork yeah. to come and record the Nugget with us because she knows the Nugget. Oh shit! Just so you know. But she's so, not going to be here.
3: She so uh, can't make but it.
0: Like Amber. He, but I mean, I was excited. I thought she'd be in my house. There's like, I mean, but like the the pressing like shot of the ship that doesn't end. I mean, there's, there's that still... opening sequence that he was trying to outdo Touch of Evil, and then he was oh, going
1: yeah. to have Orson Welles in universe. the movie. <laughs> yeah. Just made that. Guy I was excited. I
3: would have been excited to see that shot through the entire universe in the in the era before CG. Because oh, this was God, just it was after 2001, in 2001 it had to do everything
0: fantastic. practically. Yeah. The pullback and, like... But I'm he's right.
1: Go. Like, the whole thing could be done in animation, like, sup- not, like, easily, but, like, definitely, right. like, it has the vision and scope of an animated oh, film. Oh, yeah, and
3: if you have a strong enough uh, creative mind behind it, and you have a friendly editor... Then yeah, you can make an amazing movie out of that. Yeah.
1: Let's, I mean, I if you mind. have a studio editor who's just trying to make it ninety minutes. I think you're in Japan nine. they would do it because they're like, Yeah, we'll take we'll take something like that and make it into a movie.
0: Hell yes. And fuck yeah. But he wanted like a nine hour movie. Too. He wanted a fifteen hour movie. And when he was getting in there, he's like, I wanted fifteen hours. I was gonna say no. And I'm like I'm Buddy, 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 buddy. That's guys? called a mini series. But is he wrong? Yeah. I mean, well, do you guys know We what? we went and watched the Lord of the Rings.
1: It was spaced out like over three the course of 3 years. I mean, 3 books. Yeah.
3: Well, do you guys know Eric von Stroheim? Because no. he was reminding me a lot of von Stroheim then. von Stroheim was a one of the first like Hollywood directors silent era. He made his movie "Greed," the original cut oh, was okay. eight hours long
0: crime and, and me. this
3: was in the silent movie era where they had to physically change reels ever every x amount right, of time. It's right. less than eight hours, and he'd force people to sit through eight hour like film uh, viewings of it where he'd sit just ramrod straight, front row center, setting an example for everyone, and the studio went no and cut it down to like an hour 45, which was still long for the time, and that's all that exists now. all the rest of it was destroyed. God. If you I'm ever see Sunset players. Boulevard, Eric Von Stroheim is the butler, and he's basically playing himself.
1: Wow. As I never put put that together about Sunset Boulevard.
3: That's yeah. a movie I should see again. You should, because everybody in that, except for the, the guy in the lead, is basically mm-hmm. playing themselves. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. the, the woman, I can't remember her name. Uh, Buster Keaton's
1: in it, right? Yeah, Buster Keaton's in, it, right?
3: yeah, Buster Keaton's in it as one of the waxworks. Eric Von Stroheim is the, the butler who was a great director and is now nothing.
0: Gloria, um, what's her name? Yeah, Estefan, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Am I any sandwiches? Yeah, she... She's
3: basically playing herself because the film that they're watching—that was her great role—was the actress's great role. It's the actual film, so they're—they're all the old-time actors in it are sitting there like, "I used to be something," and they actually, yeah, they—they were.
0: Sources needed.
3: Anyway, Von Stroheim, very much like Jodorowsky, like I'm going to make this right.
2: But unfortunately,
3: fuck you if you don't want to go with me, and I will
1: destroy you and take you with me. But unfortunately, the film doesn't get made
2: right. because no
3: studio will pick it up because Hollywood no already way. had von Stroheim and they didn't want to ever go through that again, and they haven't in a hundred years.
0: <laughs> no, they they the, the and that was a heartbreak. It was just like, oh, this great movie he put together, this, and like I think people would have seen it, and it would, but it probably would not have been as successful as like right. a Star Wars. It would not well, have been. that's the thing is all the studios but, were right. they the thing, would have lost millions on this.
3: It would have been a wonderful movie to exist, but there's not studios don't exist for long. they're like, right. yeah, I'll put up twenty million dollars and expect none of it back so anything's a bonus no they, they're they're businesses they're yep. sociopaths that only care about making money for their investors because that's how' that's how that industry is built. that's what they're for.
1: I don't know. It could have been a blockbuster. It could I mean, have been. I don't know. I it, could have been, it could have replaced I mean, Star it, Wars. I think that was out, kind of the thrust of their argument. It, it could came have at, that. It would have come would have out after 2001,
3: right? Right. Which so was 2001 at the time was, not critically was, lauded. No, but it was the first big budget sci-fi movie that wasn't you know, Flash Gordon.
1: So. It wasn't critically lauded, but people went and saw it.
3: Yeah. That made its money back, and by all rights, it shouldn't have, because it's the same sort of thing where it's a... A big idea, philosophical sci-fi thing, where there's sort of a bad guy, but he's not really the point. But Um, up and and
1: critics and critics came around to 2001 later.
3: And Doom would have had more action than 2001 because
0: 2001, a good chunk of it is a chess game between a dude and a computer. That's no, and that's the other thing because up until 2001, they made a point to say that everything was like wires and.
1: Yeah. Oh, this was yeah. this was after two thousand. Yeah, it yeah, was. It was. Yeah, but
0: right. before that, you know, sci-fi yeah, they movies sort of glossed were like... Yeah, that yeah. In, in Forbidden planity well, bullshit. Well, like, that
1: main technical guy he wanted was working on 2001. Yeah, yeah. That's right. that's
0: but the,
3: Jodorowsky's dude sort of glossed over that and made it sound like this would have been the, the first trend-setting sci-fi and sort of mentioned that 2001 was first, but didn't really make a point of that. And that guy
0: wasn't going to be on board, right? I think I remember no, him. He, he was, Jodorowsky, no, Jodorowsky didn't he, want him. He was yeah. the dude with the big... Ego. ego, yeah. He's like, I'm want to do his, his own thing. Not a warrior, no. But Jodorowsky was also all about like, I want to establish a new religion with this movie. Come here, Kitty, and you're like, oh, what? And it's like when, okay, because the the religious themes in Dune are are very evident. You know, like coming of a city. Oh, yeah, but well, he's blah, the blah, Messiah. Blah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Hence, one of the books being called Dune Messiah. Right. Well, isn't that what Mob did? Dune means? Messiah, Dune
3: Messiah, Dune, 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 Dune once again.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, oh, <laughs> we're calling back earlier. <laughs> well, uh, it's old school hard sci-fi. Brian, uh, Brian Herbert, Frank Herbert, um, Isaac Moab Asimov, Arthur C. Clarke, uh, all these guys making Desert Mouse. Making new religions out of what amounts to secular humanists uh, chewing up and spitting out the old religions. Sure, sure. And it, it is totally like, this is a very interesting and very cool thing, which you got to kind of gloss over if you don't want to be picketed. Or you have to really punch
0: and try to sell tickets based on how much you're getting picketed. And the bottom line is this, and what we see a lot of studios, we're just not going to dump money in this movie. Right. It was a, It was a big
3: risk. It was a big risk. It was at a time where there had been one big sci-fi
1: movie that made its money back. And, you know, it seemed like what it fell down on, because the vision was there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But they didn't want to deal with Joe Dowarski. That, well, well he that had seemed, the way. Yeah, he, he is definitely... They didn't trust him, which seems weird. He uh, is scientifically uh, designed to be a pain in the ass to a studio. Yeah, right? he is, yeah, I think that's right. Like Because, like, I could imagine, like along every point of this line him recruiting these people but getting a studio on board with that vision would have been probably impossible for him of those same problem that gillian gilliam had
3: yeah he is definitely one of those guys who could make the promise of we can make it for 25 million or whatever arbitrary number but then in in his mind and maybe coming out of his mouth say but if we go 10 million over it's worth it which is not the sort of thing that a studio wants to think about like this is a guy who go 10
0: million over if he thinks it needs to or you know at least get to the point where they're like we need an extra 10 million yeah the movie is this far along Orson Wells wants another million and we should give it to him because he's perfect we're gonna pay him in Cornish hens and you know Paul Moet champagne poetry we're gonna pay him in poetry
1: oh <laughs> I'm so
0: f- giving to that Kickstarter
1: all the, all the French let's take a break and compare these yep. two how's that sound sounds good yeah We're back. This is the point I wanted to hit on earlier Mm -hmm. that I kind of like punted on uh, in terms of what was going on earlier. Because you both were talking about how, like, oh, depressed you are. And like I've been thinking about this, like you know, you well, yeah, depressed but coming from away. To this to do with these films. Depressed, <laughs> depressed coming away from these, mm-hmm. right? Because it was it's well, a sad it's a, it's a sad thing that this yeah. production never happened. Right? That we don't we don't get to watch these movies. And I, I agree with you there. Potential that was not yeah because realized. these movie the, both of these movies are about failed potential. Yep, and. But that also presumes that that potential would have been realized. See,
3: Emily made that point during Jodorowsky's Dune that it might have been good for him that this didn't happen because now it's the perfect thing in his mind. It's
1: true. And, like, these exist in our heads as, like, the perfect movies now. Like, The Man Who Killed Don Don Quixote. However it would have turned out, it's perfect in our heads. I want to read the script. Or Jodorowsky's Dune, perfect in our heads. But, like, in actuality, it might not have been. Yeah, but
3: that's, that's, like I said, that's all art. But like, but is, I think like I have some of, this of the
1: perfect
2: vision. Oh Let's yeah, I I, I
1: understand that point. Yeah. But like, I think part of the, the the sadness that comes too is like, oh, we're missing out on this perfect thing. Did you guys see? But Par- it's not completely
0: that. Did you guys see Parnassus, The Imaginary of Doctor Parnassus? I did no. not. No. All right. So I did not either. Ha. Well, this Why should be an interesting conversation. Well, this is an interesting segue. The reason I bring it up is because uh, Gilliam wanted to use his uh, new non Johnny Depp muse. Heath Ledger. Uh, Heath Ledger. Yeah. Why is it
1: that Gilliam seems to have all these problems with, like, making a film? Heath Ledger
0: dies. And so what does he do? He brings in, like, Jude Law, Johnny Depp, uh, you know, and, like, let's do this movie. And it is met with critical, yeah. And he, I think he gets that a lot, you know? And, like, I feel like the people like us who maybe were raised, at least superficially, on um, Monty Python... And who might be have like a little kick out of things like Fisher King, Twelve Monkeys, mm-hmm. and just like and even early shit. If like for for my guys like uh, Brazil, you know, and Time Bennett, things that I watched a lot as a kid. Who came up and you're like, yeah, because like, he gets much like Tess was talking about a couple weeks ago, how Neil Gaiman gets kid characters. The article I read about Time Bennetts is that he gets this kid and he puts him on his own like voyage and. He directs him so fucking well with these little people, and he holds his own like a kid who wants to escape. Now, my point getting is, like, we're cheerleaders for Gilliam. And that, I think, also ends up parlaying into, like, seeing a movie like this where we're like, I'm honing in on Roquefort. You want both of
1: these men to succeed.
0: You do. Mm -hmm. I don't give a shit about Johnny Depp or anything. I just – I see Roquefort, and I see Gilliam's enthusiasm – And you're like, this is going to happen. And then when all the... And like, maybe it's just the way they cut it. But when these little tiny things come up, budget things at first, uh, production staff that looks at him with his like crazy, like arms up and his storyboards. And they all look to him like, I mean, they all kind of look at him like, this guy is kind of like, but they trust him enough to go with it. Mm -hmm. But you can (laughs) tell like morale slipping, uh, like people going, this is not going to happen. What the fuck are we doing here? Well, I think, I think...
1: Where Gilliam is separated from Jodorowsky, Gilliam realizes when something has gone too, gone too far, yeah. and that's why La Mancha stopped.
3: Well, it's also the perspective of the film, because uh, Lost in La Mancha is at the present time, so you yeah. get it unfiltered. And Jodorowsky's Doom is... I keep saying Doom. Dune. Jodorowsky's interpretation of the video game Doom is, um what, 35 years after the fact? Yeah. So it's got... 35 years so you worth, have all the colored memories, like, many of the principal it. players are dead, so the conversations about them are only from the one perspective, sure, except sure. for O'Bannon, where we get some recorded stuff, but, um, so it's very colored by time, it's very colored, we don't know, we don't know at what point it was given up, we don't know how the studio got the rights back to make the Lynch version, whether they was bought back, or whether it was one of those, like, you make it, here's the rights, but if you don't make it in five years, we get the rights back, um... We don't know how that reversion happened. We don't know if Jodorowsky gave up on it at some point. Like we failed. I I can't do this anymore.
0: You bring up a hugely valid point in that case because, like, La Mancha is more of a live action documentary. Then at that point, it's just like we're going down the Amazon River and yeah. we're going to find it. I mean, it, and, it's edited out. So there's stunt to, it's
3: obviously colored towards this inevitable to do destruction La Mancha again. Too yeah.
1: Oh yeah. In, like, 2009 or something, and it didn't come through. Yeah. And it seems like both of these films, like, I think you mentioned Kickstarter for Joe Dwarsky. It's just, like, Kickstarter these motherfuckers. Like, in terms of, like, uh, I think at least, like, Gilliam's version, I think you could get the... Like producer backing for it, I think he could mm-hmm. also get a like large contingent for like Kickstarter backing, and yeah. I think he could make well get it like something it. where I like you could make it
3: get something where like you get Spanish funding that'll match fifty percent everything else he raises from crowdsourcing
0: well in that in that case, the other thing I want to talk about is even between two thousand and two or two thousand and one and now uh the leaps and bounds that have came with independent film production and Kickstarter mm-hmm. is like. We were, we've been talking about John Roquefort and, you know, Johnny Depp, who was clearly the name and is now Johnny Depp. John
1: Roquefort could almost play Don Quixote in a few years. Oh, yeah. If if uh, Terry Gilliam lives long enough. But we can... You mean Johnny Depp? Yeah, that's right. No, say. you said Roquefort. John Roquefort. Johnny Depp could play John Roquefort's character. Yeah, yeah that, that makes more Gilliam sense. Sure. Lives sure. Enough.
0: And maybe that'll be his career resurgence because Just God knows Mordecai leave right of the sucked eye balls. Make up for this one, come on, guys. I'm
1: sad that it did because mustache. Of
0: oh, of course. course. So my point being is that uh, that's more of a true documentary, and we're talking about it's true, the yeah. yeah. and, and the like I one, said
1: before Jodorowsky is doing is kind of an ad for Jodorowsky. <laughs> right. It is, yeah. and I think that and that's I love it. T- it's a great ad. Oh
0: yeah, it is. But I think his his enthusiasm. The funny thing about that that goes through the 35 40 years. Is I can see, and you as a viewer, I think can see that ego, that whole like drive, mm-hmm. that this is how I got these people, because he walked up to some of the biggest stars, the biggest artists, who, whose names would go on for century or for next, for since like the 30s and 40s, you know 20s, and he that asshole just walked right up to him, and they didn't know who the fuck he was. And he was just like, "I want you to be in my movie. I'll get you a chef and a Big Mac." And next thing you know, you have this guy and Dolly. You're like hundred thousand a minute, and you got Dolly, and you're just like, and and like then he just has this like surreal sexual moment with like Mick Jagger, like sauntering up to him at a fucking Studio Fifty Four party, and he saunters up. He's like, "You're my fay." He goes, "I want to be in your movie." And you're like, insert really terrible Mick Jagger impression, you know. That, so I got that moves like a chicken. Moves like a chicken.
1: Yeah, no, bark, but bark, nobody, bark. nobody out there saw it. So but Mikey was moving like a chicken. But that's my Everyone point. Everyone saw it in their mind's eye. I feel like
0: I feel like he put it out there. Like this is, I think as a as a subject of a documentary, Joe Dorosky is a fantastic person.
3: Well, okay, it, it here's the point that's been stewing in my head. The tragedy of this is. Um, not that we didn't get the perfect movies that we're picturing, because you're absolutely right. I don't think they would have been perfect. But like Dune and um, Don Quixote, are both mo- they're both things that people are going to keep trying to make. Dune's been made a couple of times now. People will keep trying to make it until they get a, a version that's so universally accepted, like Lord of the Rings, where it's just right, like, right. this is going to be locked in for a while. Nobody's going to remake Lord of the Rings anytime soon. People are going to remake Dune every decade or two until they get a definitive version, or closest they'll ever get. Don Quixote, there is no definitive film version, not even close. So people are going to keep trying. So we're not going to... These stories are not going to go away. We're not going to lose them. But we're never going to get Jodorowsky's version of Dune. We're going to get somebody else's. We're never going to get Terry Gilliam's version of Don Quixote. We're going to lose those unique directorial uh, voices, the way that they would do it. It'll be somebody else. Maybe it'll be somebody better. Maybe it'll be somebody just as unique. But we won't get these particular guys. We won't be able to go back and watch Orson Welles' Don Quixote. All right. Because Orson Welles wanted to do it, too. Yeah, he wanted to do it, too. God,
1: that's so many Orson weird Wells
3: Orson Welles, another gigantic, very talented ego that nobody could work with. And he got, in his life, two and a half movies made, if you count um, Magnificent Ambersons as... A completed movie, but not the one he was trying to do. And other than that, he's got, like, the chimes at midnight. It's pretty close. And then a bunch of failures and a bunch of cameos. And a bunch of commercials for uh, fish sticks that he doubtless recorded drunk.
1: Oh. Did Walls direct Touch of Evil? No. Who directed Touch of oh, Evil? Oh, no,
3: I'm not. Then I shouldn't count that, then.
1: Because I'm kind of... I thought he did. I thought I thought that the main... If he didn't, he was very, definitely very involved. He wasn't just an actor. I no, I think he... that I think the opening sequence of Touch of Evil is credited to him. Get them the standard Hollywood contract. It was definitely. Get a, them the standard Hollywood contract. Prepare the standard rich and famous
3: contract for Kermit the Frog and Company. But. Uh, I am the planet that eats Autobots. Orson Wells's career, everybody. And threatening directors of
1: goddamn. So I'm glad. Uh, I'm very glad we did these picks because I think they went very well together, actually. In terms of the grand scope of the theme, I guess, which is, I guess, very promise? What is the theme? Yeah. (laughs) The theme is... Hope Springs Eternal. The
3: perfect... uh, The perfection of the undoable. The perfection of the undoable. I went to a liberal arts college.
0: Something's gotta give.
1: I don't know what else to say about these besides I love them. I love them both. Yeah. And And I wish they both existed in... Do you want Actually, to comp- I don't know. I do Do you want know. to compare I... and contrast? I mean, how do you I mean, do you, what do you want to compare and contrast with them? I mean, it's just like in terms of both of them, like both Terry Gilliam and Dawarski are personalities, I think. Dawarski, more so. <laughs> yeah, he's he's got more of a cult. But I think they're very much auteurs themselves. We yeah. we have Agreed. both very yeah. much like uh failed films here. The weird Don Quixote connection in and of itself that uh Joe Diwarski thought about filming Don Quixote himself. Mm-hmm. Orson Wells wanted to do Don Quixote. Well, Don, guilt. Don Quixote seems to be cursed. and it... <laughs> It's a brilliant piece of work that just nobody has yeah. had any luck with. Yeah, exactly. Both of these movies were outside the Hollywood system and kind of just failed. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Joe Dawarski's doing tried to get into the Hollywood system so it could even be made in the first place and didn't yeah. get there.
3: Because he can't solve all the problems by throwing giant piles of money at him. But it's nice to have the giant piles of money to try
1: exactly and i mean it's just the strong artistic visions of both of them that were never really realized and Mm -hmm. i guess when you get right down to it like strong artistic vision i guess isn't enough sometimes then that's that's kind of where it lands for both of them (laughs) so that's the moral this week kids your dreams are not enough don't try to fuck with
0: Hollywood. Oh, it will no. not fuck with you. Can't well,
1: it's film is a collaborative genre too. I, as much as we want to place uh, and our uh, our touristic vision on a single individual, it needs a lot of people to even get like started. Right. Yeah. And then I mean, we got to get the gang back together.
0: Yeah. And then, <laughs> but then I mean, the other thing is just there. It's an indi- and there's an indictment, and we can't sit there in our in our wonderful Minneapolis apartment and talk about it. But. To get shit pushed forward, you know, if you are independent, that's why people do Kickstarter. They mm-hmm. they hop outside the studio. I mean, yeah, call 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 him a dick if you want to, man. Uh, Zach Braff doing his own fucking movie, you know, like saying, "I would like to do this movie, give me money." Oh, he's fine. Shia yeah. LaBeouf's a dick. Shia LaBeouf's a dick, you know, and like he's a plagiarizing dick. So it's it, you can be a dick. But that's why. You can be a dick, but don't be a plagiarizing dick. And Zach Braff was like, I don't want to do this movie within studio confines. Because he probably was like, I want to do this independent film with like $4 million. Here's my story. And they're like, who are we going to pitch this to? He's like, everybody. Everybody's going to love it. And they're like, I don't think so. So then they turn around and they say no. And he turns around and is like, okay, I'll see if my fans want to see it. Which is a weird conundrum because we're spending the money on tickets to see his fucking movie, right? Do you have that movie? No, no, I'm sorry. I was looking at something else.
2: Continue on what you're
0: saying. <laughs> so, no, my my point being is that um, I doubt that Jodorowsky would get this film made nowadays as a kick, Kickstarter because the ambition is too large. Moreover, the point that they made in the movie about how those books, those coffee table books, made the rounds and, like, only two now are in existence. But I'm not, I'm not uncertain that in spite of the fact that, yeah... The They had loose reaches with, like, the, the influence it had. I'm not uncertain that, like, it did not go further. Because, man, half of Hollywood is, like, just steal, 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 steel. Fucking Star Wars. I mean, George Lucas has not been quiet about the fact that he's bogarted, like, a bazillion things. Well,
1: nothing it. is created in a vacuum.
0: Yeah. There's yeah. no original ideas in Hollywood. And the thing I like about... uh. Jorowski is just
1: well. We would have seen some shit, Mikey. Yeah, we would have seen some shit. Yeah. What Jorowski's doing? That's the that's the. I think the main like we would have literally. Main of it,
2: we would have literally main, seen some I, shit. Uh, we, well, we sure we did. We, we might have here.
0: definitely seen some actual feces turning well, I mean, into that's gold what spice, That's what spice is. Really? <laughs> Come on, it's a worm spice shit. Spice
2: melange.
0: That but you Neil, know, the thing the thing about it that actually sticks with me now as you mentioned it, and before we we tailor this to the end is. His description of, like, I see a pirate ship in that opening scene with the side of it blown open. Mm -hmm. And they're outside trying to, like, collect as the spice blows out. And I was just like... And they they just showed that, like, like storyboard, that Mobius storyboard going by. The vision is Mm -hmm.
1: just amazing. It's just like,
0: that would have been so cool. And it's such a trippy... It's definitely very stamped in the
3: 70s, the look of that spaceship, because it is very very cool, if you saw it in context with the asteroid field, it could have been a very cool like coral reef. Oh, like yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. A, a fish camouflaged in a coral reef, where the fish by itself looks ridiculous, but he put it in its environment, and it's gone. And that could have been really cool, and now we just have a drawing that implies it.
1: Alright, who next? I'm doing a nugget next, Ooh. and that's going to be Mr. Biggs to be with you, and Glove and Boots to meh with you. Okay, and we're gonna watch that right after we finish recording this, but it'll be up in a few weeks.
0: Yeah, awesome. What's because our next? we like to make you wait. Uh Anything else? We have another. Uh, we'll we'll and... discuss that. In
1: we'll the, we'll discuss the tent pole, tent pole later right. when uh, we yeah. do the next recording for uh, what we're doing. Until next time, please subscribe to this podcast. Subscribe to the other lovely podcasts like Regret Labs, Totes Recall, Twin Cities Song Story, Cold Read, Next At Bat. Nixon versus Kennedy, Stewed Media, Better Strangers. I went there, folks. I got most of them. Maybe not all of them, but most of them.
0: Woo! Oh, that's more than I, I am impressed. <laughs> well, that's what you that's
1: what you do when you bring them up on your phone.
0: I'm still trying to find my way through serial. I'm only on like number nine. Ooh, is
1: that the J episode?
0: No, I passed the J episode and
1: What's the deal with J? What's what is the, the deal with the
2: J?
0: J? I've already formed my opinions. We can talk about it afterwards, I Counselor.
3: I've been listening to old-time radio from the 40s. I'm, like, 70 you would years probably, behind you uh, guys. You know,
1: I need to mention something to you. I think you would really like Thrilling Adventure Hour.
3: Yes. My my girlfriend's dad is very into that yeah. and has been pushing it. Phil it has really been good.
1: talking about it. My roommate, Phil, talks about it all the time. Yeah. I've never sat down and watched... Like, I keep meaning to, to, to get into that
3: you. and to
1: um, oh, something else, which name... Whereas I, I, I? I am listening to like, every week, the Judge John Hodgman podcast, <laughs> where he just, like, arbitrates a weird
0: dispute. <laughs> oh, and how are you fellas, like, have here's the time a, here's a, this. here's this is a... in
1: my car, Mikey. Yeah, this is, yeah, where, this I is where I listen to, to the old-time radio.
0: <laughs> this is what I get for having a two-mile like a two commute. Because, like, as soon as I get in my car and get to work, it's like, oh, time has gone past. I
1: don't listen to them at work sometimes. I have, like, an, <laughs> an eight-block commute.
0: I do this while I'm, I'm going somewhere to geocache. That, too. Do you like, just earphone in and just go? Uh,
3: usually. Doesn't it or just use in the car? up like data or shit? Like well, that? I I do it in the car. I've I've got them all downloaded, like okay. as MP3s, so yeah. it doesn't burn up data. But
0: yeah. see, that's what I've been fucking up because I go for walks at work and I'm listening to serial, and then uh, your battery's dead. Well, no, Rachel's like it's using up data, and I'm like, oh fuck, um, really? Bum, 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 yeah. Bum, yeah, just download bum, them at home and bum, sync them bum, up bum. on your phone. that yeah, is it? Is that it. Well, for fuck's sake! And then what delete am I them doing? as you get
3: them done. You feel like you're accomplishing something.
0: Because mm-hmm. I'm mean, at the no, gym, you
1: accomplish nothing at all. Nope. No,
0: but at the gym, like it's kind of fun. To, Just like, one day closer to your inevitable death. I cut myself out of. I mean, because I like to listen to my own podcasts, but I cut it out. Like all the Jeopardy bull at at the gym. Plug in and listen to us frass about things, and we've got like. 16 episodes now like in the bank so it's like
2: mm-hmm.
0: from our humble beginnings all the way to our ramblings to our mannequin on the move Johnny Dangerously I was mentioning him yeah. was one of my personal from our, favorites from our humble hesitant to beginnings to our peak to now our inevitable decline into senility right <laughs> no Ben Talon frack, like, fracking out about like Nick Danger and Johnny oh, I Dangerously I forgot that Ben was on that it was yeah. great I mean, and then Don Krasnowski like, just laying the smack down on all of us And
1: yeah we needed more guests
0: yeah, we do need to have more guests. Yeah, the guests are fun. I'm sick of you guys.
1: Yeah. Especially. This to, is a sausage fest.
0: To, uh, yeah, to Tess actually saying she hated the uh, 1989 Batman.
1: What up with that? I think she just hates Jack Nicholson. Glad was I was sitting between
0: you really guys. I got punched, punched on you. To. <laughs> you did?
1: What? Ow. She hates a lot of things.
0: There's no room in this podcast for hate. <laughs>
3: Don't unless, be a hater. <laughs> unless it's amusing hate. If you can hate something amusingly, then you're welcome on
0: our podcast. Stop, Leave a comment. Stop drinking the haterade. Okay, yeah. so uh, those I'm, are the podcasts
1: on Noise Picnic.
0: Beautiful. Uh, the music
1: is by Anna Weggle. You can listen to more of her work at annaweggel dot com. I did check. It is at indeed still annaweggel dot okay. com. That makes sense. Thank you everybody for listening.
2: We out. Double bill, double bill. Comparing culture, it's double bill. Putting two things together, it's double bill. It's double bill. Things on. Things on. And apparently jazz hands.